I pray today that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, Father, feet that want to be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. In our prayer meeting this morning, um, Ukraine and Russia came up again. And it just, um, you know, it somewhat convicted me because when the war first started, my heart was so broken and um, tied to it, paying attention, understanding it. And then as the month goes by, each day you slowly just kind of forget about it as if nothing is going on. Anyone else feel that way? It's just kind of like old news to you. And I was just reminded this morning of um, just two scriptures that are unique that you've heard me present before. But there's Jesus who's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's hours before he's getting ready to be jailed and beaten and flogged right before his death. And he's praying, he's up late, and he's sweating blood. And he's praying, and his disciples, whom he asked to pray with him, fell asleep. Right? And then there's a time that Jesus is sleeping, and the disciples are worried. And what, is, uh, what do the disciples do? They say, Jesus, get up. We're afraid. You need to save us. So it just reminded me this morning that it's important for us as individuals to be in tune with what God is wanting us to pray about. See, when, when Jesus wanted them to pray about something, they fell asleep. But then when they wanted to pray about something that Jesus wasn't concerned about, um, he was asleep, they woke him up. So it just, you know, made me think, God, how much do you want us to pray and not forget about those who are in Ukraine right now? How much do you want us to pray and not forget about those who are in Russia right now? How much do you want us to pray and not forget about those who are in our communities, in our workplace, or within our family? Because the last thing that I want to do is be awake to things that Jesus is sleeping to and sleeping on things that Jesus is awake to. Amen? So that has nothing to do with our sermon today. It has everything to do with a practical piece of our life that we can't forget about. Right? So let's make sure that we're in tune with God this week with what he wants us to be in prayer about. Nevertheless, Galatians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your Bible apps, you can also turn there. But what we talked about two weeks ago was Paul is frustrated with the Galatian church because they're now pursuing a different gospel, right? He's pers they're pursuing a gospel that is Jesus' death plus something else. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if it was Jesus' death, if, if our way to make it to heaven is Jesus' death plus something else, then that makes God a pretty cruel, not cool, that makes God a pretty cruel God, doesn't it? That you would allow your son to be murdered for our sins, but then you also have to add something else to it. So Paul's really, really, really mad, using strong language in the first few sentences in the book of Galatians. Because he's like, look, you guys were under grace. You understood grace. And then now you're trying to add 
Old Testament works to it. How dare you? That is no gospel at all. So that's essentially what we talked about two weeks ago, is it is grace plus nothing else. Amen? It's the only way you'd make it to heaven, not by your works, but by his grace. So today in verse 10, Paul is going to expand on essentially his motives, why the Galatian church can trust him, why it's not about him, why he's not trying to change the gospel. So here in verse 10, he's going to help us begin to understand that. So Galatians 1, verse 10. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Someone's getting a UPS package today. You've been waiting on it. So what Paul is saying is this, is look, am I doing this for man or am I doing this for God? I'm not looking for, for man to approve of me. I'm looking for God's approval. See, he isn't preaching for his well-being. He wasn't preaching for the acceptance of man. And if he was, we wouldn't be see or if he was preaching for the acceptance of man, we wouldn't see him so highly persecuted throughout Scripture, right? Those who are seeking the approval of man don't get persecuted. But he's highly persecuted because he's not seeking the approval of man. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13. Here's where we see a little bit of what Paul went through or talks about what he went through of how he wasn't seeking the approval of man. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those um, condemned to die in the arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to the angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ but you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. We bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. So Paul is trying to emphasize to those in Galatia, the message that I'm presenting to you is not for man's approval. And I've actually been persecuted and went through a bunch of stuff for the sake of this gospel. See, he was kicked out of synagogues, chased out of town by Roman soldiers, hired by Jewish leaders. He had bad clothes, often cold and naked, hungry, thirsty, sleepless, beaten, flogged, stoned, homeless, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, imprisoned, spent a day and a night floating at sea, and eventually he was executed. Does that sound like a fun night for any of us? 
a fun life for any of us. Paul was coming and saying, look, I've gone through all these things for the sake of this gospel. I don't come to you to tickle your ears. I'm not trying to please man. I'm doing this to please God. So because I'm doing this to please God, you can trust this message. As Paul's credibility is coming under attack, he's simply stating that this is no get-rich scheme that he is preaching. His motive wasn't to gain men's favor. So then what Paul continues to do is he explains how his message came about. So he shares that we can trust it, that the people in the church of Galatia can trust it. But now he shares in verse 11 how his message came about. Verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Very unique here. Paul interestingly says this, I didn't hear the message of Christ from man, but from God. Now, that's a true statement. Paul didn't hear the message of Christ by, from man. He heard it from God. But it's true, but it's also not the whole story, I believe. There's a little bit more to this story. The more to the story we find in Acts chapter 7. And here in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is confronted by Pharisees and a very mad Jewish crowd. Now, many of you might be familiar with this, but essentially what we have to focus on right now is Paul says this, I never or I've not been preached the message of the gospel from man, but by revelation. This is important for us to understand. So Stephen is teaching here in Acts chapter 7 how the Old Testament presents Christ from the beginning of all the scriptures. And at the end of the message, Stephen says this, Acts chapter 7, 54 through 56. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were very furious, furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen says this as there's this huge crowd who's really mad at him and they want to kill him. And then he starts talking a little bit deeper about the things of God that he's seeing. So what do they do? They double down in their anger. Verse 57. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, Acts 8.1 says this, And Saul approved of their killing him. Now, what do we know about this young man named Saul? Saul is Paul. So, Paul, whose name was Saul, at this point was standing at this event giving his approval. 
So you're like, why are you sharing this story? Paul appears to have heard the gospel message by Stephen when he presented it. But Paul also said this. He said, I've never, I never heard the gospel message of Jesus. I didn't hear the message. I didn't receive is the better term. I didn't receive the message from man. I received revelation from God. And the reason why I bring that up is actually us receiving, us receiving the message of the gospel is by God's grace, not by man. So we're going to keep on teaching that, but what's important is this. We're going to keep on driving that point home here in a minute. What's important for us to understand is this, is Paul or Saul heard the message of Christ by man because Stephen just presented it. Stephen had presented the gospel from the Old Testament where we found Jesus, and now he's saying, look, there's a Savior coming. Here it is, gospel presented. Saul heard it, and then Saul approved of the killing. So I'm going to read uh, a little bit more in Acts chapter 8. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. What I believe Paul is pointing to here in the book of Galatians is how powerful the gospel of grace is. Paul says that the gospel wasn't preached to him by man, but by Jesus. But we know Stephen preached in his presence. So Paul has heard the message, but the message never carried weight to his inner being. It's like sometimes you tell your spouse something over and over and over again, or you tell your kid something over and over and over again, and you tell your kid something, or sorry, your friend something over and over and over again, and they never hear it. And then you're sitting at dinner with them or you're at a ball game or at the church potluck and someone's like, hey, you realize that those shoes don't match? They're like, well, now that I look at them, I know that they don't match. And then your spouse is like, I've been telling you that for 10 years. Why is it that someone else told you you hear it, but when I've been telling you for 10 years, you don't listen? Can I get a witness? Pretty random example, yes. A very random example. But sometimes what it takes is it's not man, but it has to be revelation of God that speaks to our heart. It's the grace of God that does something. The grace of God does something so unique that opens up our hearts and our minds and our beings to understanding who he is at a greater level. So what's interesting is Saul didn't choose God out of his own good doing. Saul didn't choose God out of his own being. God actually chose Saul. Now, you say, what do you mean God chose Saul? Now are we getting into the elect and everything else? No, Paul and Saul still had, or Saul still has a choice in following God. So what ends up happening is um, God chose Saul out of his grace. So Saul heard the message, didn't receive the message. Now God has a plan, and his grace encounters Saul. 
So here's how God's grace encounters Saul to help him have this revelation that he's talking about here in the book of Galatians. So Saul was blinded, right, on the Damascus road, and then God gave him an opportunity to respond to him. That's really unique, right? God blinds him and then gives him an opportunity to respond. So we find that here in Acts chapter 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anything. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led, led him by hand, or yeah, by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. So this is God's grace. This is the revelation of Jesus coming to Saul. And when this happened, Saul was blinded. Now, usually what ends up happening is when tragic things like that happen. Imagine if Twitter and Instagram and Remind and prayer chains would have been a thing back then. We would, have said, we would have sent out the immediate remind, our dear friend Saul tragically saw this light and hearing voices and needs prayer right now because he's blind. Now, if it was me who was sending out the remind, we'd, it'd really be scrambled, right? If Stu sent it out or Mary Hope, it would be, you'd understand it. Nevertheless, we, would be, we, we wouldn't be able to see God's grace because of how quickly it happened. See, sometimes when bad things happen, it might just be the revelation of God coming our way. Now, it's hard to understand on this side and right now, but thousands of years later, when we look back at the story of Saul, he was blinded, and he couldn't see, and that was God at work. Amen? We don't like saying amen to that, do we? If you give money today, God's going to bless you tenfold. Amen? None of y'all said amen to that, praise God. So, so Saul is blinded right now for three days. Now, we hear the other side of it in Acts 22, 12 through 15. Here's what ends up happening, because there has to be a choice. There has to be a choice that Saul ha has to make. There has to be a choice that you and I have to make when we encounter the grace of God. It wasn't just um, the elect here. Now, God had a purpose for Saul. God had a purpose for Paul, right? Same person, new name. There was a purpose in it. But he still had to be obedient. Acts 22. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestor has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one 
and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So Paul didn't have a say in the grace of God encountering him. So Paul was traveling on the D Damascus Road. He didn't have a say in the encounter, right? He didn't get to choose it. It happened to him. It was the grace of God. That's all it was, the grace of God. So he didn't have a say in that moment, but he did have a say in his response. Likewise, you and I have a say in the response that God brings to us by his grace. Amen? So Paul didn't have a say in the encounter, but I do believe he had a say in the response. Every encounter with God doesn't always look the same. It often doesn't look the way that we think it should. Paul went blind, and he didn't eat or drink, yet he still trusted God. He went blind, couldn't see. Some of y'all can hardly pay attention right now because you're so hungry. But he didn't eat for three days. He didn't drink anything for three days. He didn't get his coffee. He didn't get his Tim Hortons latte. He didn't get his mocha frappuccino, two pumps of this and that, skim milk, extra foam, right? He didn't get that. But he still trusted God. God's grace came to him through a horrible season. And in that horrible season, even though it was just three days, there was an opportunity for him to respond. And when I talked to Mark, even after uh, what, Thursday, I talked to Mark, and he said, hey, look, I don't like this, but I can already sense God in it. See, God is calling him by his grace. Now, did God do that to Mark? No. Did it happen? Yes. Can God's grace be present in it? Yes. But he said, I can already sense God calling me to something more. So in these challenging seasons that we face, when they don't go our way, when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're frustrated, when we're doubting, there's always the opportunity of God's grace then to work in us and us respond to him. I always think when challenging seasons happen, it's the character-building seasons, right? where we get to level up. And sometimes I get tired of character-building seasons. Anyone in here tired of a character-building season? See, here's the thing, though, is um, I'm not sure I'd ever choose a character-building season the way that God's grace has chosen it for me. Amen? So God was choosing a season. He was bringing his revelation to Paul, an invitation and what was Paul? He was obedient to what God told him to do. He said, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm blinded and I'm hearing voices, the first place that I'm probably not going to go is to a city. I'm probably going to go to a hospital, right? Macy's going to say, we got to take you. No, I'm okay, I promise. I'm good. No, we got to take you to the hospital. But Paul trusted this revelation that he was having. He trusted this grace of God that was coming his way. Now look, what about the revelation of God that comes to us now? 
Am I saying that you should listen to any thought or any voice that you ever hear? I'm not. Now we don't, now we have the, the revelation that is written in the Word. The Word became flesh, and the flesh, flesh died on the cross, and that revelation is in Scripture for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't get to have an intimate relationship with Him, because we, we can. But any voice that you hear, uh, you shouldn't start following that, right? If you hear voices, come talk to us. Um, nevertheless, Paul was obedient to the voice that he was hearing. He was obedient to the grace of God that came into his life. And he went up and he went into the city and he did what he was supposed to do. So I don't believe that when Paul had this emotional encounter on the road that he was saved. So Paul encounters Jesus Christ. The grace of God meets him. He has this revelation. I don't believe that Paul was saved at that moment. And I think, you know, another way we could teach that scripture in Acts is just because you have tears and just because you experience this deep emotional moment, it doesn't mean that you're saved. A lot of people want to say, like, well, what was your saving moment? You know, did you, did you cry? Did you have this emotional experience? Well, Paul had this emotional experience, and he's blinded, and he doesn't eat for three days. But I don't think Paul was saved on the Damascus Road. I think Paul was saved then he, when, he, when he was obedient, and then he repents of his sins. So when he's told, um, what now are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So once Paul did that, that's when I believed that he was saved. Repenting of sins and being baptized, that's what he did. He repented of them and he was baptized. To wash yourself clean and be baptized. I personally, personally believe that Saul wasn't saved at the encounter, but I believe that he was saved after he called on the name of Jesus and his sins were washed away. So Paul here is letting the church in Galatia know that the gospel that he is preaching isn't from man. He's saying, look, the gospel that I'm preaching came from this revelation. You guys didn't preach it to me. Jesus preached it to me. Jesus gave me, by his grace, this deep revelation came to me of who his being was. And see, for the longest time, coming to church, parents bringing me to church, parents teaching me and instructing me in Jesus' ways, understood I was very religious as a young person, never wanting to take the Lord's name in vain, not wanting to swear, all these things because of the way that my parents instructed me, the way that I heard about who Jesus was from Pastor Linden and from other mentors in my life, right? But it wasn't until one day that I came up to the altar and I repented of my sins and I truly had revelation by God's grace of who he was. And many of you have heard this, many of you have not heard this, but I came up here, I'm repenting of my sins, and then it was like, um, I did, I felt like I heard a voice from heaven, not an audible voice, much stronger than an audible voice, that like spoke to me and said, hey, because of this day, you'll be with me for eternity. And I had this encounter where I had this deep revelation of who God was. See, now it wasn't like this thing that I had to hope for, it wasn't this thing that I had to wish for. There was this deep understanding that there is a God who is in heaven that is alive and he is real and he loves me. And that wasn't because of how good I was. It wasn't because I deserved an encounter. It wasn't because I did anything. It was all because of God's 
grace. Amen? But when, God's, when we encounter the revelation and the grace of God, we're always called to a response. So Paul's letting them know that the gospel that he's preaching isn't made up. It's not from man. He didn't receive it from being a disciple of man, nor did he go to school to understand it or to have revelation of it. He received it by revelation of God's grace. What Paul is helping us understand in peace is that the gospel of Jesus is not man-made. If the gospel was man-made, there would be no doubt a scoring-based system that was involved in it, right? Because what do we want? We want what's fair. We want justice. I know a lot of us have had many conversations of we just want all these evil things that are happening in the world to be exposed. Anyone want the evil things in the world to be exposed? Yes. So if we put you in charge, there's going to be a scoring-based system, right? Jail, 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 right? Jail, jail, jail. Everyone gets... So what Paul's saying is, look, it's not a man-made scoring system. It's God's grace. Grace goes past natural sensibility, doesn't it? We want justice. We want people to get what they deserve. We don't want ourselves to get what we deserve, but we want other people to get what they deserve, right? Especially if you're a Michigan fan. Any Michigan fans in here today? Where's Caleb? <laughs> there he is. Essentially, those who want to pursue works as a means of righteousness are motivated by unbelief. That's really hard to think about, that when we want to earn our way to heaven, we're actually motivated by unbelief. Now, you say, why are we motivated by unbelief? Well, because we don't trust God. We don't trust his scriptures. We don't believe that the work of atonement has already been completed. So when we start to think that we have to do more or be more holy or add to the cross of Jesus Christ, the death and the resurrection, we're motivated by unbelief of who he is and the sacrifice that God made by sending his only son. Do you understand that? I think sometimes that's why the disciples said, we believe but help my unbelief. So to them, it is Jesus' death and something additional. God allowed his son to be murdered, as I said earlier, and have to add something to that. He'd be a God that would be extremely cruel, and I don't think we could trust him. But that's not the case. Paul is making a strong point here that his message that he has carries the weight and the authority of God, not of man. Many people say that if you, many people have said, if you go to seminary, it's actually a faith killer. And they say that because what happens when you go to seminary is they teach you exactly how every scripture has to be taught. Now, that doesn't happen in every circumstance. You have to have a relationship with Christ to go through seminary. But essentially, you, you go to school and you're taught this school's perspective of how the sermons and the teachings need to happen. And then there's no relationship within that because it's just so black and white. So Paul's saying, look, I wasn't taught at a school. 
This isn't man's interpretation. I received this by God and His grace, so trust it. He's carrying the proverbial trump card to the church to say, you guys are listening to man right now, but I'm listening to God. So trust the authenticity that's coming behind this. So what I wanted to do today is, as we end, like it's 11.15, well, we got food today. I'm trying to help y'all who have excuses that you have to go mowing or something. I'm giving you 45 minutes to stay here. So we've already sealed the door shut, <laughs> um, chained them shut. So don't even try to exit a door. Walk straight to the multi-purpose room and uh, kids wing, youth area, and go get lunch. But here's, here's what I was wrestling with through this week's teaching is this. Is yeah, there, there's moments that I try to earn God's grace. There's moments that I try to earn God's favor and his blessings. There's sometimes that I feel like I have to pay it forward or do a good deed or um, be nice to someone or avoid a sin for a few days and then God loves me again. Anyone else ever feel like they have to do those things to be in right standing with God again? Raise your hand high. My hand's high. There's sometimes that even though I understand it within my nature and I understand it within Scripture that I feel like I have to do something again, and that's motivated by my unbelief that I don't truly trust the Bible. I don't truly trust God. But I also recognize this, that... Um, I don't earn my encounters with God. It's not about me doing certain um, Hail Marys or certain um, rituals or um, acting a certain way for God's grace to encounter me. Paul, as he said, in Scripture, I am the worst sinner of them all. And next week, we're going to look at Paul's testimony of being a murderer, right? of seeking out families who are following the way to kill them. But Paul says in Scripture, he says, look, I am the worst sinner of them all. So why would the worst sinner of them all deserve, or what did the worst sinner of them all deserve or do to deserve God's grace? Nothing. Paul didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to encounter the grace of God today. The grace of God encountered Paul. So that made me think of this. How can I be in prayer for the church? How can I be in prayer for this nation? How can I be in prayer for myself and for Macy and for all my friends and students that um, we love? That they would encounter God's grace. Amen? That we would encounter God's grace in a way that Paul encountered God's grace on the Damascus Road that we would have a deep revelation and understanding of who God is for our families, for everyone else. So I wanted to ask you this question. Who needs God's grace this morning? I need God's grace this morning. And I want God's grace in a, grace in a fresh way. And this deeper understanding of his word, of his life, of his desires of me, but when his grace comes through a deeper revelation and a deeper understanding, then I also want to be obedient. Amen? Some will pray that we would encounter God's grace this week. 
and new and deeper levels. So Father, I thank you for the revelation that you brought Paul, that it's not by works, but it's by Jesus alone and Jesus' grace alone. And I thank you, Father, that Paul had no choice in his encounter with you, but it was by your grace that you brought revelation of who Jesus is to him. And I pray likewise, this same week, Father, I know that there's people in here, uh, people watching online who are trapped by sin, that they're a slave to sin right now, Father. And I pray right now that your grace would encounter them, that they would have revelation and a deep understanding of who you, who you are. Father, that they didn't earn it, they don't deserve it, but your grace encounters them. The same way that Paul didn't earn it and Paul didn't deserve it, but your grace encountered him. May your grace encounter our families this week. May your grace encounter our communities this week. May your grace encounter those deep parts of all of us where we like to hide from you. May we have revelation and understanding of your love this week. So will you invade our dreams? Will you invade our actions as we read scripture? Um, may your grace fill us up in Jesus' name. Father, we also pray for the potluck, the luncheon. I pray for good conversation. Thank you for everyone who brought in food. And may we grow together as one body. In Jesus' name, amen.